0: I think the easiest mistake to make at this stage is hiring the wrong person and then unfortunately not managing them well to develop. Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Today is our third episode in
1: the First Hire series where we talk about making first hires in marketing, finance, sales, and operations. So far we've covered sales and operations, so be sure to check out those episodes And today's subject is hiring for marketing. When is it time to hire a full-time marketing person? When and how do you hire a marketing agency? What functions should a first marketing hire cover? Here to help us answer these questions is Vanessa Ting, owner of CPG Growth Partners, where she provides fractional CMO support and general management services. Listen in as Vanessa covers the different considerations and possible paths for a first marketing hire, how to think about hiring for or outsourcing social media and content creation, a framework for building a marketing team, the importance of agency and vendor management skills, how to prepare for your first marketing hire and common pitfalls, and more. Hi, Vanessa. Welcome to the show today. How are you? Hey, Jesse. I'm great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I am so excited to have you here. And I would love if you could start us off by just telling us a little bit about yourself and about CPG Growth Partners.
0: Sure, sure. would be happy to. So, yeah, a little bit about myself. Um, I'm Vanessa Ting, and I have been in the marketing, CPG, and retail world for all of my career. So that's like 20 plus years. But I started out as a market researcher and and brand marketer at Neutrogena. And then after business school, I was actually a buyer at Target for a bit. So I got a real great first look at what happens in retail and what it takes to be successful there. And um, when I left Target and uh, returned to Los Angeles, where I am originally from, I actually began consulting by accident. Um, People began reaching out to me to chat with me about how to build a brand that will be successful at target and you know what first was just like fun pro bono consulting i guess turned into like advice and strategies that worked and pretty soon clients uh, or these companies these founders pretty much uh, convinced me to start my own consulting business so so yeah back in like i think 2010 2011 ish at the kind of the 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 boom of digital first brands. Um, that is kind of how I began consulting. So yeah, for the last 10 years, I've been a marketing consultant. And I did take one quick step away from it to be CEO of a food company. Uh, that was one of my clients that hired me on a CEO. Um, but other than that, that, I've been in food and beauty my entire life and love every second of it. Awesome. I love that. And so
1: for the most part now, you're providing fractional chief marketing
0: officer, CMO support. Is that right? That's right. Yeah. So my company is called CPG Growth Partners, and it's just me. Um, And on occasion, some folks that help me, but I provide fractional CMO services um, that focus on brand management, uh, brand growth, and brand turnarounds. Awesome. That's great. Yeah. I think you are
1: such an awesome person to talk to about this topic of first marketing hires because you have the big company background, you have the buyer background, to understand that part of the marketing piece. And then you've been in the CMO and CEO roles. And so I'm so excited to hear your perspective on these questions. And so I'm wondering a little bit more about, you know, you mentioned in your background, but like ending up in the type of marketing that you're doing, you know, what a lot of times are you focusing on in marketing for CPG? And what does that look like, you know, and and how did you really decide that you were like, you know what, I'm going to really keep, I love these pieces of marketing. This is what I really love about it.
0: Yeah. I think the kind of the magic of CPG marketing is the closeness to consumer and understanding consumers' unmet needs and their reaction to, you know, your product and your messages. And so it is all about the consumer. And I think, you know, even began but even before I began as a marketer, I always had this like interest in consumer psychology, what makes them buy, why do they buy? What is the role of brands? Right. How do brands get you to buy in a different way than like a private label brand? And so just this kind of curiosity about consumers is is kind of what made me interested in marketing, but I also think that has served me well throughout my career as a marketer. When you know, when you're kind of in the throes of your of your marketing job or working with a client, and there's so much information coming at you, the best way to really, I think, align your north star is by taking a step back and, and asking yourself, you know, how are we serving the the consumer? What do they want from us? Um, what is special about us that we can deliver to this consumer that no one else can? And that really helps kind of provide the guiding light for navigating through like the craziness of, of any startup and of certainly, you know, startup marketing.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm also curious about your perspective on kind of the, the different paths of first marketing hires. So there's kind of a lot of different paths. And we all know there are a lot of marketing agencies out there. So if a founder is on their own, and they're like, I need some marketing support, should I hire a intern? Should I hire one of these agencies that's reaching out to me? Should I hire a part time person? You know, and should it just be should I outsource my social media? And you know what are some of the things that that people are thinking about as they're trying to make that first hire? What are you considering when you're helping someone? You know, coach or decide. Okay, I need marketing support, but what type and from who? What are the different options?
0: Yeah, that's a great question, and you're right. There are so many different pathways and and ways of of doing this. You know, when you're a founder, when your company is new, um, really that first marketing hire. Depends on a couple of things. The first is, you know, what is your marketing skill set as a founder? You may have come from a marketing background or you may not have, but, um, you know, what aspect of marketing do you understand well and, and do you think you can kind of pinch hit for now and thus hire, you know, someone who rounds out? your skill sets, who you know fills those gaps. That's kind of the first question to ask oneself as a founder. I think the second question to ask oneself in figuring out who this first marketing hire needs to be is what is my marketing vision, or what is my marketing thesis or philosophy? And and I'll explain what that is because I realize that's that's vague. But every founder has an opinion or point of view on what type of marketing they want to execute, or or be strong, or or be known known for. Right. So I'll give an example of one client I worked with um, a few years ago. She started a beauty tech business. Uh, so not really CPG, but still, you know, a, a hard a hard uh, goods product. And sh- she had come from a background in um, campaign organizing. So completely outside of CPG and, and out of products. And, you know, for her, she saw campaigns, you know, political campaigns be successful with like a groundswell of like boots on the ground. So like creating community, event marketing, experiential, really building, you know, awareness from the ground level, that was what she knew how to do. And so it it was her fervent belief that the way her company should grow is through that same kind of marketing philosophy. So given that, you know, the first um, full-time hire she made was, as someone to manage these brand ambassadors and to manage the army of the boots on the ground. So basically, that's field marketing, right? If we were to put it in CPG terms, that's a field marketing hire who manages a bunch of field marketers. And so, you know, again, that's not for everyone. But that was, you know, the kind of marketing competitive advantage that she wanted to play with with for her company. And, and she hired around that, you know, but but that all said, you know, Sometimes when you are a founder, uh, you have limited, you know, limited budget for payroll. And so sometimes you end up having to hire someone who maybe is a jack of all trades and and coachable. Um, what I've seen work really well is startups will hire like maybe not not hire, but bring in a fractional CMO. So someone like myself who can kind of see the big picture and identify kind of this, you know, the things I had mentioned before, like, you know, what's the founder good at? What's the founder's, you know, marketing philosophy and then they can kind of identify key hires that way um but yeah if you bring in a fractional cmo as as, as kind of that generalist you know based on that person's skill set your first hire can be kind of someone that's more specific uh like social media or you know acquisition marketing you know performance marketing or or all those things so so yeah i I, i'll pause here because i realize you know i i kind of explained a lot here, but it really like, you know, boils down to what's the core competency in-house already? And then what's the core kind of uh, marketing thesis and then hire kind of with those those things in mind.
1: Yeah, that's very interesting. Definitely prompted some more some more questions. And in, in my mind, one of the first things I wanted to mention, though, was that it's interesting you mentioned the having someone like a fractional CMO come in at the beginning, because when we did our first hire series episode about operations and talked to Jamie at Catapult, he also talked about he was like, you know, you can hire someone, you know, the person that's in your price range is Uh, as an early startup founder is probably going to have to do lots of experimenting to figure out the right Mm -hmm. things because they don't have a lot of experience. So sometimes you can have someone who is super experienced come in on a fractional basis or come um, in and say, this is what we need. This is how we should set up the processes. And then maybe you can hire someone that you train up to execute those things. But having the expert come in and not having to relearn all of those things can really save save a lot of time.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, to share a story in, in in trade with your story. um, You know, when I was CEO of a food company by the name of Salty Girl Seafood, this is now, you know, five or six years ago, our first marketing hire was basically someone who didn't come from marketing, didn't come from CPG, but she had, she demonstrated the soft skills necessary. So by that, I mean, she was very much aligned with the purpose and mission of the company. Very passionate about you know creating positive change uh, in the environment. She was coachable, curious, had the fire in her belly to learn and figure things out. And it, the, I guess the situation was unique in that even though I was the CEO, I still came from a marketing background, um, so I was able to do exactly what you said: create the strategy, teach her how to create strategy, you know, co-author the marketing plan with her, you know, guide her you know, and and take her through the test and learning plan. And, you know, from there, with that investment of time up front, um, you know, we, we had a phenomenal marketer who has now like gone on and is now now a product a senior product manager at Amazon. You know, so you know, that's all to say, not that I had any part in that, but that's all to say like it is absolutely possible to hire someone who doesn't have experience, bring in someone who has experience and then lay out the framework like like you said, that they can kind of follow and execute. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's very interesting. I'm also wondering in there as you mentioned like, you know, finding the competency as as founders and understanding that. I'm thinking too about I see one of the first hires that people make so often whether it says a contractor or full-time is social media coordinator. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I'm wondering about your thoughts on on that and and doing that correctly because I see a lot of times either you'll have a founder that's like, well, I'm not very good at social media. So I'm going to hire someone that's, you know, young and good at it, and they'll turn it into something. But then it doesn't necessarily generate Mm -hmm. revenue right away. Um, Mm -hmm. And also, is that the first place to make investment when you're trying to get to revenue? Is, Is social media always the right play? Or is it sometimes somewhere else, but that's just kind of a default we've moved to? I I feel Mm -hmm. like it's just become a little tricky. And I'm curious about your Mm -hmm. thoughts on that. that That's hiring the social media management person because social media can take up almost almost as much time as we give
0: it without necessarily Mm -hmm. a return if
1: there's not a plan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Social media and content creation and content management. Yeah. That whole bucket is so gnarly. It takes up a lot of Resources, time. And then to your point, yeah, like how, where does it fit in, in kind of the you know, the grand scheme of things? How impactful is it? Well, a couple of things. I think, you know, in food and in beauty, right, the two categories in which I'm most immersed in, Instagram does become extremely important because it is your cheat sheet to your website, um, it is oftentimes the first place consumers go to get a sense for your brand you know not just like the vibe and feel of the brand, but like does this brand align with my values And then of course a quick glance at your your Instagram feed for example will uh, you know illuminate whether like, you know, this is a brand that I, I want to follow, that I, you know, appreciate their content and find it interesting. And, you know, and then of course you look at the follower count and then you you get either a feeling of FOMO, like, oh my God, everyone else is following them. So I should too. <laughs> I should know this brand. Or at least at the very minimum, you get a sense that this brand has been endorsed indirectly by other people and therefore is credible. So I think it does play a really important top of funnel role. For sure, and then of course, having a really strong organic social media like channel uh, then lends itself to like having great paid tactics that you can layer on top of that, which will then drive results and hopefully you know traffic to stores or if you are DTC you know uh, conversions at your at your. At your site or on IG Shop, for example. But um, but that all that all said, you know, it is a hire that, in my personal opinion, should be made very carefully. And and hiring someone young who is a social media user is not enough, as we all know. Algorithms and how and the best practices for social media, uh, even organic social media, change rapidly and. I'm, I'm always an advocate of hiring um, an agency or hiring someone whose job is to know these platforms in and out and stay on top of the changes and know like what works to drive reach or impressions or follower count, you know, on, on, on social. There are many cooks in the kitchen when it comes to social media. So there are probably parts of it that you can divvy up and keep in house with someone junior. Maybe it's, you know... Influencer outreach and management. Maybe it is, you know, doing the scheduling and posting and community management. But oftentimes, social media agencies kind of make it affordable to wrap all of those services into one um, rather than piecemeal it and have like inconsistency. But your social media channels are only as good as the content you put on it. And content is a whole other spend. And, you know, I can talk about that next, but I'll I'll pause here, you know, in case there's more that you wanted to dig in on with social media.
1: Yeah, that's that's really interesting and I think a good point about just hiring someone young that knows that is a social media user isn't always the no. the solution because there is a lot of complexity and um it's like the You know, when you start talking to someone that's really an expert on how the ads work or the algorithms work or the changes that are happening, it's like, oh, wow, there's there's a lot of extensive knowledge and background that goes into mastering this and understanding how it works and not just taking kind of random uh, throws at the dartboard with your with your eyes covered.
0: Exactly. And also, you know, one thing I forgot to mention, which is, you know, voice brand voice um, also matters. And, you know, if you've got a brand targeting Gen Z, maybe it does work to hire, you know, someone to 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 write captions and do community management and do some of those more, I guess, the more administrative parts of social media, you know, who is in that age group because they they can emulate that voice. But, you know, but again, you know, that's like the only kind of maybe case I could I could find for hiring internally. And even then, you don't want them doing strategy. You know, you at the very least then bring an agency who can do the do the strategy sessions with you and kind of set the parameters and set the, the, you know, the, the guardrails for social media and then let this junior person run with it. You know, that's the only way I see it working. But even then, that's kind of fraught with um, challenges. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I would
1: definitely be curious to hear your thoughts on the the content creation piece and whether that that's something that can be part of your first marketing hire of hiring somebody mm-hmm. that really is a utility player and has a lot of skills or whether that's a good thing to outsource to an agency. I'd love to hear your thoughts.
0: Yeah, yeah. So creative is interesting because, you know, back when I started marketing, your creative content was, you know, really like TV ads, print ads, it was, you know, a lot less um, in terms of like quantity of content. And now, of course, like you've got content everywhere. Um, So with content, this one's tricky. I recommend like an army of content producers. And so right now, what you see um, many brands doing is, you know, Brands who can't afford to have a creative agency constantly churning out content for you will rely on in-house content creation so again hiring some some young folks who um, have a natural talent for creating videos and um and shooting photos um you know it's 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 oftentimes really just utilizing in-house folks um interns reaching out of course to uh, influencers for ugc for that content but also looking at looking for content creators who are not influencers but who just love creating great content and maybe they're maybe their, you know, their feeds don't have or their accounts don't have tons of followers, but they're able to capture that aesthetic that's important to you and to your brand, you know, contracting with them to be your content producers is, is also a viable pathway. But the key of course in all of this is to you know, create content under, you know, under one brand guidelines, right? So it's really important to have like your brand book, your brand style guide, you know, your visual and verbal identity all kind of buttoned up and ready to share with all these different creators, you know, via a brief, but also like you want to give them a, a kind of an edited down version of your style guide so that they're creating content with cohesion and consistency. And it looks like one brand voice, not, you know, Eight different content creators, but that's where you can get really creative with your resources. Um, again, you can hire someone in, in, you know, full time to create content. And, you know, hopefully they also have some graphic design skills and editing skills. But, you know, if not, um, you know, that's what Canva is for and, 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 and Fiverr and, and all that good stuff. But, um, yeah, no, I, I, I think that's where you can really get creative with, um, content creation. And then, of course, you know, videos is now, um, an increasingly Important format, and so you want to hire folks as well that have a talent for for video production. And, and the nice thing is, like with TikTok and Instagram, your video production doesn't have to be like studio high quality. It can be very low-fi and very um, authentic and organic looking. So you know you don't have to be too precious about videos, and so that kind of makes it easier to to find um, video. content producers.
1: Right. Yeah. So we've talked about a few of the different functions that are being covered when you're hiring, you know, first marketing folks with social media content and creative. I'm wondering about the other functions that you kind of talk a founder through Mm -hmm. or that you think about when you're like, okay, which ones are are you good at or should you take care of, you know, what are kind of what's what are all the different functions that you're looking at of we need to probably get these coverage as as a for an emerging brand of the first things to think about with hiring. Yeah, I, so I kind of
0: bucket, I kind of um, organize an in-house marketing department into four main buckets. So, I'll kind of talk about the ones I we've already kind of talked about, which is creative, right? Like, that's usually, you know, a department and, and, and usually it's probably the last to hire because you can outsource so readily or like use freelancers. The other three would be, uh, number one is marketing communications, right? So, this is kind of a catch all for like, social media people, someone to manage PR, someone to manage influencers, um, you know, whoever that this is the person in charge of basically all copywriting. They're the ones that, you know, think through kind of the the activations and the execution of, of marketing They manage the content strategy and content calendar. So that's, you know, I think usually kind of the first hire because so many of those um, tactics are touch points that happen directly with the consumer. The, um, Other bucket, the next bucket would be paid, like acquisition or paid. So if you're a DTC company, it's probably acquisition. If you're a CPG company, it's working probably with like a performance marketer who can help you... um, you know, get ads up and running, and um, and manage you know the performance of those ads, and and utilize kind of the full spectrum of paid media out there. Yes, you know, so managing um, paid search, managing paid social, probably even thinking about CRM, email, SMS, um, all that good stuff, and then the you know, the other bucket, which is probably the, the bucket you would hire, it's important, but maybe hire later on for, <laughs> this is a tough one, because I think it's so important. But I think it's also a little bit of a luxury. And, and sometimes, you know, founders can can step in in this role. But it's what I call like the brand management role, right? And so brand management is a role that's more common in, in, in CPG, um, especially in the big CPG companies. But this is kind of like the brand strategy person. So they're thinking about the full funnel, like what's the full marketing funnel look like? What are the different marketing levers that make best sense for us to to utilize? They're the ones probably doing the consumer research to validate what that marketing funnel should look like and understand the consumer's path to purchase and kind of aligning the, the company's marketing tactics around that. They're probably also the ones who are thinking about what's happening in retail. Um, when you are, you know, marketing and brand that sits on retail shelves, you are you are also having to be mindful of your competitive set on that shelf and kind of ebb and flow with the dynamics of the category and continue driving growth, not just for your brand in retail, but being mindful of growing the category as well. So they're kind of operating with that thought in the back of their heads. And then they're thinking, you know, further out, they're thinking, you know, one to three years out, three to five years out, but they're the ones seeing the big picture and kind of um, managing all the different kind of marketing pieces that I mentioned before, you know, marketing communications, acquisition, creative—they're kind of the, the quarterback in all of this to make sure that everything's getting done, done well, and meeting the you know meeting KPIs and, and meeting goals, and, and ultimately driving sales velocities. Because at the end of the day, you know that's what all CPG companies are are uh, driving towards: increasing velocities at shelf, and and marketing you know has their role in in doing that. So yeah, uh, just to sum it up, um, yeah, four main roles: brand management, marketing communications, paid performance and acquisition, and and creative. Those are the four kind of folks that you want to have in house as you build a marketing team. And um, you know, and and you can use freelancers and agencies to kind of supplement. Those key areas uh, as you as you grow, right? Yeah,
1: that's helpful to have those buckets. I'm also wondering about as you mentioned, you know, if you if you're using a couple of freelancers or a couple agencies, but then you're also hiring an employee. As you're deciding, you know, managing vendors and contractors a- external to your company involves a lot of project management expertise mm-hmm. or just an understanding of you know vendor management is a whole thing versus hiring someone that is actually doing a lot of these marketing tasks or the person may have to do a mix i'm wondering if you know how you think about that of the you know the marketing skill of the management vendor management part versus the mm-hmm. the skills of actually doing it and how you think about that in the first couple of hires
0: Yeah, I mean the first couple of hires, you're hoping that they can do more and outsource sparing sparingly. And again, I you know, not to be vague, but certainly it depends on that person's skill set and and what the marketing philosophy is for that company, like what's high priority from a marketing standpoint, you know, because whatever is high priority you want to put expert resources against. So, you know, it's 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 tough because ultimately even if you hire, you know, one or two full time hires, they are still also going to be outsourcing and managing vendors for the other things that that they can't manage themselves internally. Um, so you know, back to what you're saying, even for your first few hires, um, even if you don't think they, <laughs> that you need um, outside help, you will, and it'll be important for those first couple of hires to have really strong vendor management skills and ag- agency management skills. I've seen brilliant, great marketers who can't manage ma- agencies. It is a really important skill set, you know, and it's not just the ability to like brief them and like, and understand what they're doing, but it's that fine balance between pushing them and, you know, pushing them and rewarding them, but, but, and, and collaborating, but letting them be thought partners. Like it is very much a dance and um, you know, I think the most important thing in managing vendors is being very clear with your expectations. You know, align on KPIs and goals in advance. Have periodic check-ins. Be firm when you need to, but still be kind. Don't always be nice. um, Because being nice is... is, uh, Yeah, even being firm is nice. You're being kind to them by being um, very transparent with them. So... Yeah, kind of to, to go back to what you are saying, there's no way around it. You, you do have to use outside partners, uh, even if you have one to two hires in-house. And so everyone should have agency management skills. Right. And what can a founder do to prepare for, you know,
1: time that you're adding a little extra help, whether it's adding an agency, freelancer, employee, like, you you know, you mentioned some of, you know, knowing what your style guides are, your brand guidelines. And I feel like for founders making their first hire, you know, they're hiring someone because they don't have, they feel like they don't have time to, you know, to figure all these Mm -hmm. things out. So what's the balance of, you know, what do you really need to nail down before you add people? What can you, what can you figure out as you add someone And then do you need to, you know, you can spend thousands and thousands of dollars on developing, you know, certain marketing materials. Do you need to do that? What are, what's really the core come down to that you need to have done before you start bringing on more people and it just, and you don't want your brand to just kind of morph into something new without you being intentional about it?
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, (laughs) I do think that a founder who doesn't have marketing experience needs to have a fractional CMO early on. How early? Once product is once you have a product prototype, I think it is worth having a fractional CMO to help ensure product market fit and you know and using consumers and you know to to kind of understand product market fit and understand like key messages and you know key purchase drivers and you know which of which of consumers unmet needs are is this product meeting and then at the same time as you're kind of achieving product market fit, you probably want to have the CMO come in and do uh, an audit of your brand. Usually, you know, founders will have already a vision of their brand in their head. They'll hire a designer to put together a logo and a website, but oftentimes, like that's not enough. And at a certain point, you need a, a fractional CMO to come in and actually like make sure a rigorous brand has been created uh, as a strong foundation for all the future hires and all the future marketing activations that are going to. Income. So, um, so yeah. Like, do we have a differentiated brand? Do we have a clear sense of who our consumer target is from a demographic and psychographic standpoint? You know, do we understand the entire marketplace and kind of the white space we exist in? Do we understand how to talk about our brand benefits, our brand reason to believe? You know, the brand, the the, the problem we solve for consumers. So, a lot of these things sometimes are in the head of the founder, but they have not been extracted and codified on paper. And I think that process of codifying is extremely important and then making sure that that kind of those words, you know the brand strategy, if you will, match up with um, the brand visuals, you know, the visual identity. Um, sometimes there's a mismatch, but really it's it's doing that initial brand strategy, brand development process that is really important to do as early as possible. Because once you start selling in market, especially with packaging and retail supply chains, it's, it becomes a nightmare having to do packaging changes. And um, you just rather just do all that upfront, because you're going to get more and more busy as the days and weeks go by as you, as you grow. And it's really hard to step back mid, mid-marathon mid <laughs> to do this exercise. So it's great to do it. Like at the start, after you've kind of achieved product, you know, Product market fit with your MVP, your minimum viable product. That that is where you probably want to bring in a um, fractional chief marketing officer to help with that. Uh, and oftentimes they'll have to bring in either a small agency or probably you know they should bring in a small agency to help to help with that.
1: I'm also wondering about hiring then like a fractional CMO person mm-hmm. or really, I mean, I'm curious just about your advice in general for marketing mm-hmm. vendors. But I feel like there's a lot of vendors in the world. And then there's just so many marketing vendors and there's so many people. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think if once you have marketing in your your title on LinkedIn or whatever, the amount of outreach you get in a day of saying, Hey, we'll revolutionize your marketing or you need a strategy or whatever. And it's it's very overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And then also when you're you're interviewing agencies and you're seeing their, you know, you're seeing the proposals, you're seeing the dollar amounts, it might be a lot, it feel it might feel like a big investment and a big commitment? Are you ready for it? And so, you know, how do you think about evaluating who is the right partner? You know, what, what should I invest in this? What level of, you know, do I need to probably invest in someone with expertise? You know, you can get, you can, you get what you pay for by using something free a lot of times. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, what do you think through is of trying to find that right partner, someone you're going to bring into your brand, help you make these really key decisions like that needs to be the right person. How do you vet that person with all of the noise and, just so many options out there. Yeah,
0: I really feel for founders because that's the real issue, and it's it's difficult. It really comes down to your network. You know, oftentimes it's relying upon other co-founders or other founders that are in your industry for referrals and recommendations. Your investors, especially if you um, are a portfolio company for a you know for a CPG like BC company, they'll oftentimes have referrals and recommendations. But yeah, I would you know I'd be hard pressed to do any. To, to to do anything to work with anyone who hasn't been recommended to me by someone else. And even if they're recommended to you, you still need to do your diligence and do reference checks. But I think you're right. there's so much out there, and it's really hard to parse out who is good and who is not good. Recommendations are important. Um, and then of course, you know more more tactically speaking, you know, as you look at these people's, um, profiles. I do think a really great, you know, proxy is is if they've worked for a CPG company before. Uh, you know, again, CPG marketing is its own beast and animal. It's it's different than than marketing for many other categories. Different from just even like DTC marketing. And so, under, someone who understands the CPG space, I think, and comes from it, I think, is is a good proxy. <laughs> um, but still, that's that's not enough. You know, there's there's more that. You know, you need to know about their abilities, and and even being a consultant takes a a, a certain skill set. You know, you could have just rolled off, you know, a um, billion dollar brand at you know a big CBG company as a brand as a senior brand manager, but if you don't know how to consult and how to work with founders and how to you know work with incomplete or imperfect information, you know, you're you're not going to be um, a valuable a valuable asset to that to that founder. So, and when you work with you know a fractional. CMO, right? So first, you're going to get your referrals from other founders and investors on who a good, you know, fractional CMO is. Once you find that fractional CMO, they will have a network of marketing tacticians and other marketing kind of specialists out there that they've worked with before or that they know of from other CMO fractional CMOS. Like, in fact, just you know, as a as a a tangent, you know, there are probably four or five different CPG fractional CMOs just like myself that I'm in constant communication with. Not only because these are colleagues and friends that I may have worked with in the past, but also we're constantly referring business to one another and constantly referring vendors, right? There are many kind of, you know, Excel, Google, Excel, Google spreadsheets out there where several of us collaborate on agency partners and consultants and kind of like keep our own reviews. <laughs> and so, you know, your CMO will come with a wealth of folks and, and a network that can um, that, that is vetted. And but still, like you still want to you know interview multiple agencies and partners um, and not just you know take anyone's recommendation for it. But but that's that's some of the way some of the ways in which you can mitigate your risks. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: I've always been amazed too, of like, I mean, it's one of the great things about like the startup CPG Slack community. You can say, Hey, has anybody worked with this person or who has worked with this person? Or even, you know, I've found, um, I've found agencies for different functions, just like looking at brands, seeing who they're using. And then I'll just, I'll contact customer service and be like, would someone at the brand talk to me about using this vendor? And like, almost always, I actually usually get a response and hop on a call with the person in the marketing department. And then they're like, yeah, we worked with this agency. Here's how much, you know, like generally people are pretty transparent and friendly and Mm -hmm. wanting other people to succeed. And so it always Mm -hmm. seems like almost a kind of an untapped resource. A lot of times when finding a new marketing, you know, partner, especially someone important, like a fractional CMO of just just call up other people and, and chat with them. At least in my experience that, you know, a lot of times pe- everybody wants everybody to win generally and they'll just tell you, yeah, this person was great. Here's what we learned. Here's what to look out for. And and it's pretty, can be a pretty open conversation.
0: Absolutely. Like the startup CPG Slack network is incredible. Like it's constantly like, you know, I'm constantly getting dings from how active it is. And, and I have, you know, used it before to search for folks. Like I may not talk much in that Slack channel, but I, you know, I'm scrolling and looking for recommendations there as well. You know, not just agency partners and, 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 and vendors, but even, you know, new like technologies and softwares. And, and you know, it's, it's, it's so invaluable to be part of a network of founders. Um, and you're right, founders want to share and help one another. It is, when I was a CEO, that is who I leaned on most, you know, my peer network to navigate through lots of things. Right, Yeah
1: and you mentioned a little bit back about how cpg marketing is kind of its own its own special type of category <laughs> especially with with retail and driving velocity yeah. at retail and i'm wondering what are some of the things also you think about related to cpg marketing and in the few first few hires, things that you're going to need to cover if you're in stores and you're trying to drive yeah. philosophy? And what, what do oftentimes you see people, you know, maybe not think about soon enough in that area?
0: Yeah, great question. Because even though, you know, people's inclination is to make their first hire like a social media person or, or something like that, oftentimes, bottom funnel marketing tactics is really the where you want to also invest <laughs> a lot of energy and time for retail so like shopper marketing right so that's everything from like you know i bought a coupons to you know figuring out like which retailer programs to opt into to you know all sorts of stuff like you know demos and all that stuff like managing all that that is a huge part of you know the, the cpg marketing role especially for early stage businesses and retail right like there's so much effort being and money being spent on that stuff so that is important to, you know skill set to have someone who can just get their hands dirty with a lot of those with a lot of you know willing to go out to de- and do demos um you know willing to get on the phone with you know I'm just making this up with Critio to learn more about how to how to do paid search ads on target.com or what types of IRC programs, you know, should we ever consider? So yeah, that's all that's all very tactical stuff, but super important and it has immediate ROI because it's so bottom funnel.
1: Right. And and as marketing is getting established, you know, beyond the founder. How do you see it integrating with the other functions of the company? Like, what are some of the best practices of how should marketing be? How should you plan for marketing to work with sales? You know, you're you're running a you're running a marketing campaign at UNFI. The, the sales team signed you up for the marketing. You know, how does that work together? How does it, you know, operations, how do they all work together? Any best practices for making sure that marketing stays integrated with the whole team?
0: Yeah, really great question. It's so important for marketing to be plugged in with all these other functions. Obviously, sales is your closest ally and partner. There's so much information you need from them um, about account performance and about, um, you know, account needs. Buyer feedback, and then, um, like you said, like they'll sign us up for promotions, and we gotta help amplify those promotions and support them. <laughs> um, and then, the conversely, you know, sales needs to know from marketing, like what are the upcoming brand marketing plans? Like what are the things that you guys are going to be doing that might drive tons of store traffic and a lift in sales? Because the sales team needs to, of course, let the retailers know to make sure inventory is in place, but. To your point about even ops, then we also need to make sure ops is aware so that demand planning is is in sync with marketing plans. That if you know five months from now we've got a huge heavy up marketing campaign happening, that they're building the right amount of inventory and can react to um, you know uh, increased POs from retailers. So absolutely, it's important to be in communication with um, sales when you are on the marketing team, but then now you're seeing the impact of marketing on, on, on uh, demand and, and thus supply. And so then, you know, it's really great to be uh, in close contact with ops.
1: Right. Yeah. And then are there are there any common mistakes that you see in these first first hire to or, you know, pitfalls or traps that founders fall into? We've maybe covered a couple, but I wanted to see if there's any others that are top of mind that, you know, that you end up helping people avoid or that you've fallen into yourself, you know, things that are mistakes that are easy to make at this stage.
0: With hires, I think the easiest mistake to make at this stage is is Hiring the wrong person, and then unfortunately um, not managing them well to develop, and then maybe the another associated pitfall is then not ad- not realizing soon enough that it's time to part ways with them. You know, this whole talent management thing is, I think, in general where where founders struggle. Um, some founders have management experience from their. Professional, you know, previous professional lives. Other founders don't, and um, really, ultimately, your the success of your startup is contingent upon how well your talent performs, and you know, and finding the right fit is really hard for a startup. You know, it's 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 not just the soft skills that you need to have in a startup, but also you need to be a jack of all trades and, and learn quickly. And, you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's, it's to be a a marketing first hire. You are doing a lot. Right, you're doing every you're doing things from all kind of four buckets I had mentioned before. You know, strategy, market, mark, marketing communications, creative, and and you know, and and paid acquisition. Like you're doing all of these things and managing all these things. And so, you know, for a founder to be really clear with expectations and what good performance looks like, I think is really important. And and you know, when it's time to when it's not a good fit, it's the most kind and fair thing to do is is part ways and sometimes people don't part ways fast enough
1: Mm -hmm. yeah that opportunity cost of Mm -hmm. not parting ways fast enough is super high when you've only got a couple employees and you're really small
0: yeah yeah which i think is also why you see a lot of founders opt for a lot of like fractional talent and you know uh they'll try before they buy, so to speak, you know, they'll have people consult um, and then if like everything works out great and it's a great fit and uh, magic's happening, then that person gets brought on, you know, full time. And, you know, not that in, in sometimes, oftentimes it's unexpected. There was never an intention to do that, but it just worked really well. And, and that's when, I, that's in my mind, like the best way of bringing on um, new full-time talent uh, when you're mm-hmm. a small startup. The try before you buy approach. Mm -hmm.
1: Well, speaking of fractional support, I'm wondering if you can leave us telling us a little bit more about what it's like to work with you. How does it? How does it work? How should people contact you? And then, you know, when you work with clients, you know, what does that actually look
0: like? So that we people know how to, how to reach you if they're interested. Well, thank you, Jesse. I I appreciate, um, I appreciate you asking that and and for the opportunity to share more. Yeah, no, I mean, working with me is, is quite easy. Oftentimes um, people reach out to me when they are having uh, challenges kind of hitting the next stage of growth. Um, I will come in and kind of take a look under the hood and, and, um, you know, develop an opinion about, you know, what is not working and what the opportunities are to kind of unlock that next stage of, of growth and by growth i mean you know everything from performance and retail and what marketing is doing and or not doing to support that but also like brand awareness and brand strength and then you know it r- really it's it's you know when you're Kind of in that situation where you need to find growth and you need to kind of take a look at strategy. That's that's the best time to to bring me in. And um, and again, like I mentioned before, you know, CMOs fractional CMOs come with a network of folks as well. So also reach out to me. Even if you don't need a CMO at the moment, reach out to me for a recommendation for you know this type of partner or this type of vendor. Happy to you know put great people together. And you know that's also a Perfectly valid reason to reach out to me. And you can find me um, on the internet. Um, my website is cpggrowth.com, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn and message me there. I'm also uh, very accessible there. And then lastly, my email address is my first initial, vcpggrowth.com. So those are the many ways in which you can find me. And, um, and yeah, I look forward to to chatting with more folks and always happy to share resources, tips and, and referrals. Awesome. Great. Thank
1: you, Vanessa. I met you, I think it was while I was still at the brand Live Bar and we've just stayed in yeah. touch. And so I'm so glad to get to share a... Such an amazing, um, you know, resource such as yourself with our community, and that you've shared your expertise with us today—it's been super helpful. So, so glad that you joined this show. Glad to have you part of the the startup CPG community, and. Yeah, just
0: thank you again for your time today. My pleasure. It was great being here and had tons of fun and love the network. So, so glad to be able to contribute back. Thanks for joining us. This
1: Startup CPG podcast is executive produced by me, Jesse Freitag. Theme music is by the Super Fantastics. We'd love to have you join our community of founders and experts. Get the invite at startupcpg.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. It's the easiest way to help us grow our community. See you next time!